Hello everybody, I am Jason Trader, I am the Prince of Wessex, and you are here with another episode of The Art of Being the Podcast. This is the Many Fruits Edition. Uh, you would get that joke if you knew what I was talking about, but I never told you, so I'll tell you now. <laughs> well, today we're going to be talking about polycarp, it just means many fruits. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Polycarp, for those of you who don't know, was one, one of the people that we consider in history to be an um, early church father, okay? This guy, um, only one of his actual writings survived, which is Polycarp to the, to the Philippians, and most of what we know about this guy comes from other people writing about him. Uh, you know, you've got, uh, he's listed in the Martyrs. There's a martyrdom book. And in there, it has the martyrdom of Polycarp. And it talks about Polycarp's uh, death and, and martyrdom. And then we have, uh, you know, Irenaeus and other early church fathers that write back and forth to each other because they're, they're discussing stuff. We're, we're in flux here. Uh, in the in the early church. So uh, for perspective of time, Polycarp was one of John, uh, the Apostle John, the, the, the dude who rolled with Yahshua. Polycarp was one of his disciples. So we're looking, you know, I don't know how long after, but, you know, within a hundred years span or so of um, Yahshua walk, walking the earth, Polycarp is running around with his dudes and they talking about stuff because they're trying to figure out uh, what to do and there's all kinds of false teachings and stuff and people coming in and twisting stuff and resting stuff. I mean Peter talks about it a little bit in his book that it was already happening uh, at that time you know which was not too long after uh, the passing of our Savior and his uh, resurrection. So Polycarp is pretty closely connected uh, to some of the original teachings that, that would have come out of Yeshua because he heard it from a guy who heard it from the actual guy, right? So he, he did not hear directly from Yeshua himself, but he heard from a man who was listed as somebody who loves Yeshua and who wrote uh, a book and was the longest living of the apostles and died, you know, in Patmos. He, or he went to Patmos uh, and got the book of Revelations and, and lived to a ripe old age, passing away there, and he taught people while he was out there. You know, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you teach people and continue to spread the truth? And, and John did, and Polycarp is listed as one of his, his disciples. And that's why I like Polycarp. I don't like a lot of the early church fathers because they very, very quickly forgot the main teachings, and many of them... Uh, the ones that were not coming out of uh, the Hebrew perspective of thought, uh, you got to think for like the first century or so, there were more Hebrew or Jewish uh, followers of the Messiah than any other race. This whole thing about, oh, the Jews rejected the Messiah, it's not really true. Um, they didn't really reject him. Now, there was a group of Pharisees who rejected him until he passed, but then even some of those Pharisees, we see them in, in the book of Acts, are now believers and are running around doing stuff too. So the fact that we get taught that the 
Jews rejected the Messiah, and so now it's the time of the Gentiles. That's not the case when you look into history and you look at the history of the original Hebrew people. They continued to keep the Hebrew thought in their worship, i.e. Sabbath, Passover, uh, not eating unclean foods. They continued to keep those traditions for quite some time until you start getting Roman and Greek people that are coming in and teaching the Messiah, and they began to change and twist and uh, that is what many of our original Hebrew apostles were fighting against, were people like that, that were coming in, that you're not like us, and you're trying to say that you're with us, but you're not. You know, and that's what they're fighting against. And uh, so a lot of the early church fathers, when you read their writings and stuff, they were really kind of making some, some poor decisions, and they were doing it for the wrong reasons. And I'll, I'll get into one example. There's far too many to talk about here. But I'll get into one example a little later on uh, of, of a horrible decision made by someone that we call an early church father. Um, but the reason I want to highlight Polycarp is because he has a writing that survived, and I read that writing. And I would encourage you to read it too. I think that uh, the Protestant uh, believers in America, the, the religion and um, that I came out of, the denomination that I came out of, more Protestant. We call ourselves non-denominational, but we're, we're Protestants. We're basically like like uh, loose Baptists, you know, like, uh, and that's, that's what I came out of. And that's what I would say that the majority of uh, believers in America, in the United States, where I live, um, they are under this Protestant Reformed way of thinking. And... In that Reformed way of thinking, we are very, very scared to read outside the 66 books of the canon that we have. Pay no mind to the fact that there are tons of other believers that have well more than 66 books all over the place, and we're just basically trusting two dudes in the 1800s that they knew better than everyone else. Uh, they had no new archaeological finds, no new digs, no new sources of anything. They just decided to change stuff. Then 200 years later, someone else comes along and changes stuff. And then they say, this is it. This is holy. Holy and only this. And we get so scared to read other writings. I think it's fine to read the book of Jubilee. I think it's fine to read um, the book of Enoch. I think it's fine to read Polycarp to the Philippians. Why? Because I have the Torah. I have the Bible as my guide. So... I won't get led astray because I have the root of the faith, which is the Torah. That's the word of God. Uh, when he spoke to Moses and said, this is my word, everything that you believe, if it doesn't come out of that way of thought, then it doesn't come out of the thought process of our Most High. See, our Most High, he gave us a way to live and a way to, to handle our life and in that, we can study it to see how he felt about certain subjects, what his emotions are toward thievery or murder or what worship looks like to him. It's all encompassed in those first five books of the Bible. That's why he was so upset that the Jews didn't, or the Hebrews, sorry, didn't follow it and started kicking people out of the kingdom because they weren't keeping the laws because that is the root and the base of how he feels and how he wants stuff done. So he got mad that the people didn't do it. Now, when we say that the Jews and stuff rejected the Messiah, now it's the time of the Gentiles, which is incorrect. But what we're actually should be we're saying and how we need to fix our mind 
is that that rejection actually came a long time before the Messiah, right? So that, that rejection came when, when people started getting exiled. That was the rejection, exiled into Babylon and stuff. That was the time that they rejected the Most High. So that's, that's when the rejection actually happened. It was well, well, well before, and then some of the people come back in. Why? Because they had to. <laughs> because the Messiah had to preach. He had to come out of Judah, and he had to preach first to the lost sheep. I mean, that was part of his prophecy. So so God, in all his majesty, even in his anger, in, in kicking people out, he brought a group of people back specifically to fill the prophecies of the Messiah. And the Messiah taught a certain group of men and told those men, those those uh, 11 men, he told them, go now and preach. Well, he told 12, but one of them didn't make it. Uh, you can flip to the end of the Gospels and you'll pick up on that story. But he told these men, now go forth and preach this gospel of the kingdom to everyone else. And they did. And the reason I like Polycarp is because we know that through history and through the, the writings of history, that he was connected to John. That's why I think that, that's why I think that Polycarp to the Philippians should be read. And oh, by the way, it'll probably only take you about 15, 20 minutes to read. It's a very short book. It's got like chapters, like uh, like it, like our Bible does, and, and uh, at least the version that I was reading, it had chapters and verses just like our, does, our Bible does, but it, it's really just for easy reference. Um, and then the chapters are super small. They're like two, three verses each, and for the most part, he's just quoting... New Testament stuff the whole time, and he makes a brief mention of the fact that he hasn't had a chance to actually read the Torah for itself on the original scripts, and uh, probably why he's quoting uh, letters uh, from Paul and other things more, because it appears that, that maybe that's what he had a little bit of access to, or at least that's what I deduce from, from his writings. I just kind of see that he, he's referencing to a lot of uh, New Testament stuff with Old Testament thought, right? Uh, and I think it's just because of what he had access to and because of what John was teaching him and, and telling him. And he had some interesting things uh, that he said that I think should be brought out because it helps us understand what early church people actually believed. So we're told that when the Messiah died that, oh, they just started worshiping on Sunday and they stopped following the law. You have never read the book of Acts or you have never read the book of Acts outside of your Western mind. <laughs> uh, and and if, if you cannot see the fact that they were still keeping the, the Passover. I mean, Paul straight up says in his writings, keep the Passover. Just go ahead and type that in Google right now. Paul says, keep the Passover. And you'll find that Paul literally says, go ahead and keep the Passover. And that's the kind of stuff we just pass over. We also find that Gentiles come to Paul in Acts and say, on the next Sabbath, can you teach us? Meaning that, the, the, that these people from outside the Jewish faith understood that the Sabbath was the time to spend time with the Lord and to be taught. I mean, that's all over the book of Acts. And we here at the Art of Being, we believe uh, not just in our Savior, the, the high priest, Yahshua, but we also believe that Yahshua taught us to continue to teach those laws and the, the laws of the Hebrews and the Torah as what he wanted, this is what he wanted believers to continue to do until he came back. He said, this is how to live your life. And I have many other episodes uh, that I can get into. Um, Yeshua's actually teaching 
to follow Torah. He's actually telling us to, to keep the teachings of the Most High. Uh, but I, I don't have time for that right now because today we're going to talk about what Polycarp was told and how he related to us. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but guys, seriously, just Google Polycarp to the uh, Philippians and read the thing. If you want to pause this and, and come back to it so that you know that I'm not lying to you and, and you can get it for yourself, I would recommend it. Uh, I'm one of the few um, teachers that would actually tell you, don't listen to a single thing I say. And a lot of people wouldn't say that. They, they're going to tell you, listen to what I say, do what I tell you, because I got the word of God. I know that I'm a sinner, and I know that I'm lost, and I know that I'm a fool. I want you to look at the verses that I talk about, read the references that I talk about, and I want you to make a conclusion for yourself, because I can't do what the Holy Ghost is supposed to do. Okay, so get in there, read Polycarp's writings. It won't take you very long, and you might learn something, because you're learning what John taught Polycarp, and thereby you are learning what the apostles taught to the early believers— and who do you think they got it from? <laughs> they got it from Yahshua. They got it from, from Jesus, the Messiah. That's who they got it from. And then they relayed it, that information to other people. And we actually happen to know who some of those people are. Polycarp being one of them. Uh, and yeah, so let's get into what he wrote. Here, here's here's a few quotes that I, that I wanted to bring out. So this, this one... Uh, First one I got here is chapter 2, verse 2. It says, Now, he who raised him from the dead will also raise us up if we do his will and walk in his commandments and love the things which he loved, refraining from all unrighteousness, covetousness, love of money, evil speaking, and false witness. Okay, very interesting. Here's why it's interesting. Because, first of all, he does not talk about rapture, okay, which is a, a, a huge misconception in the church. There's no such thing as rapture as we see it in the Western church. What it is actually is resurrection, okay? And we need to start to clean up our speech. Rapture comes from the Vulgate, the, the Latin raptuo, when actually the word that should be there is the Greek harpazo, which really just means catching away and being pulled away from, from, from where you are. Uh, maybe she, people being pulled out of Sheol, right? Being resurrected from death. And if you read the whole chapter uh, of First Thessalonians 4, where people say, here is where the rapture is mentioned in the Bible. One, the word rapture, like we just said, is not there. It's the word harpazo. Rapture comes from the Latin Vulgate, which was made, interpreted, and written uh, by Jerome and has all kinds of flaws in it, guys. I, I have a saying that if, they, if they're speaking in Latin, turn the other way. You don't want to be no parts of no Latin teaching. If they're in Greek, they're getting close. If they're in Hebrew, they're spot on. If they're in Hebrew and they're breaking it down letter by letter of the Hebrew word and pulling out the original Hebrew root meaning, you're on to something. That's, that's what we want. So the Latin Vulgate has all kinds of problems. But that's where we get the word. It's from the Vulgate, not from the Septuagint, or the Dead Sea Scrolls, or any of the other writings that, that we found, that didn't happen. They interpreted them into Latin and translated harpazo as raptuo, and that's where we get rapture, which wasn't really preached uh, until like the 1830s in, in, uh, from John Darby. So we have here, Polycarp must not have been told about rapture, because he doesn't say we're waiting to be caught up in the clouds, but what he says here is... Uh, raised from the dead 
will also raise us up, he says. Now he who raised him from the dead will also raise us up, is what Polycarp says. So Polycarp's belief, okay, and again, he got this from John, who got this from Yeshua. Polycarp's belief is that he will be raised from the dead. And we can kind of clean up our speech a little bit as believers. And instead of saying these mistranslated words, when you got to pull back that chapter, 1 Thessalonians 4, and you got to look at the, the individual words. And go ahead and write down how many times it says rapture or hapazo or caught up, right? And then go ahead and write how many times it talks about death and resurrection. And you, if you just do a little tick mark, you will quickly find that that whole chapter is actually to comfort believers who are sad because their brothers and sisters are being killed. And they're dying for the faith. And then that in 1 Thessalonians 4 is being used to say, do not be upset by these things, my brothers, because we will be raised on the last day. And, and it's used as an encouragement to remind people that our Messiah is coming back with a kingdom. He's going to break open the firmament, land a kingdom, smack down on top of Zion, and he's going to bring us back from the dead, and we're going to get to dwell with him. So the whole reference in that chapter is actually referencing the gospel of the kingdom and not a rapture to the clouds where we go sit in heaven for seven years and wait for stuff to take place and then come back. That's not there. That is picked out of people trying to misinterpret revelations. They pick verses and say, oh, that must be the church, or oh, this must be that, or because he's coming with this, the church must already be with him. So therefore, we deduce that the church is coming with Yeshua when he returns. So we must be up there, so we must be raptured. That must be what it means. But that is all people just trying to theorize and allegorize a story that doesn't need allegory. It doesn't need you to figure it out and determine what it's talking about. Because if you read the chapter for itself, it's talking about a resurrection from the dead and a kingdom to come. And that we're supposed to be encouraged by the fact that even though we die in the faith, we will be brought back to life when the Messiah comes and dwell with him in his kingdom. And I like this because Polycarp right here, that's what this dude says. So clearly the early church was not teaching a rapture, but was teaching a resurrection. Because that's what Polycarp got from John. Polycarp was told by John that he's going to be raised up just like Yahshua was raised up. And Polycarp believed him, or else he wouldn't be writing to the Philippians and telling them about it, right? So that's pretty interesting right off the top that, that I thought uh, that was cool to pick out. And also, if you look at what he said, right, again, we're told that the early church did not keep Torah, that they did not care about the Sabbath, that they moved to worship on Sunday. And again, Sunday... Uh, worship. Everyone loves to point to Acts and and show and say when they worshipped on the first day of the week. And they say, see, they worshipped on Sunday, just like us, we're doing what the church did. Really, that's because you don't understand Hebrewisms that you think that. Because the first day of the week is actually Saturday night, which is actually Saturday, Sabbath, they had teachings, praise and worship that went so long that when nighttime fell and it because their day goes from sunset to sunset. So when the sun set on Saturday night, it now it's the first day of the week. And what you're seeing is actually praise and worship and fellowship that continued into Saturday night, which was the first day of the week. Not Sunday. Not, not Sunday at all. That I don't know what they did on Sunday. They probably went back to work. You know, especially if you're living in, in Israel, because you just had your day off. You just had your, your Friday, Saturday 
day off and Sunday is probably a regular work day for you. So uh, the first day of the week is a misinterpretation. And, and we're told that they didn't keep the commandments and that they uh, worshiped on Sunday, the first day of the week. But what we see Polycarp talking about is he says right here, if we do his will, this is Polycarp speaking, and walk in his commandments and love the things which he loved. Well, Yeshua loved Torah. And Polycarp is saying that we are supposed to walk in his commandments. That means actually have a physical action to match a walking is, is, is a verb, right? This is something that I have to do. I have to keep the commandments. That's what Polycarp is saying. We will be resurrected if we keep the commandments and love what he loves. So in Polycarp's mind, commandments were pretty darn important because that meant resurrection, right? And this is a guy who taught from John. And then he goes on and talks about covetous, love of money, evil speaking, and false witnesses, which again, everyone loves to say, oh, those are the only things we have to do now. Moral and ceremonial law. He's only talking about moral law, see? Well, we'll get into that in a minute, but no, <laughs> there is no distinction between moral and ceremonial law in the Bible. Go ahead and find it. Go ahead and find the verse that divides laws. Go ahead. I'll wait. Are you, are you looking? Are you Googling it? Because there isn't one. You're wasting your time. There's no verse that says laws are separated. As a matter of fact, what it says is if you transgress one law, you've broken them all. So in, in, in Yah's mind, in the mind of the Most High, our Abba, all of them are equal because if you just break one, they're all, they're all messed up. Now you're a sinner and now you're punished and now you have to go to death, which is why we have a high priest. Again, that's a teaching for another day. But you look at these things that Polycarp is talking about, unrighteousness. Unrighteousness in a Hebrew mind is violation of Torah. Okay, Covetousness, love of money, evil speaking, false witness. These are all things that the Torah tells you don't do. We learn through the teachings of God that he hates false witnesses. He hates them. Abiyah hates false witnesses. He can't stand them, right? And Polycarp is saying that. He is reiterating the fact that if you reference the Torah, you'll see that false witnesses is bad, so don't do that. And he's reminding it. He's not reinforcing New Testament principles there. He's reinforcing Torah principles. He's reinforcing the ideas he was taught by a Hebrew man. And, the, and telling them that these need to maintain and continue to be a part of our teachings if we want to be resurrected from the dead as our Messiah was. That is what Polycarp is talking about. But because we're not Hebrew, because we in America grew up in Christmas instead of Passover, we, we don't do uh, the, the festival of booths, right? We have Easter. We have Fourth of July. So when we hear these things, because we're not Hebrews, because we didn't grow up under this uh, Hebrew law, because we don't do that, when we see those things, we just think that, that we just take them at face value. You just look at love of money, evil speaking, and false witnesses as, oh, those are bad things, which they are, and, and you have not deduced that incorrectly, but when you look at it through a Hebrew mind, what you realize is that he is referencing to the Torah and the importance of keeping it. You have to look at it. He was taught by a Hebrew man who was taught by the king of the Hebrews, Yahshua, who was taught by Abba Yah, Yahuwah, who is a Hebrew God, 
who wrote Hebrew laws and a Hebrew religion from which our Messiah came out to help us enter a new covenant in which he could write those Hebrew tablets on our heart. It's all right there in the book, guys. And Polycarp is reinforcing those ideas, not saying, don't worry, guys, we are not no longer under the commandments. And on the contrary, he, he's reminding these people in his writing to walk in his commandments. Whose commandments? Well, who he was talking about er earlier, right? Which was the person raised from the dead. So these are not the laws of Moses and the Jews, according to Polycarp. Well, I think according to the Bible as well. But according to Polycarp, these are Yeshua's commandments. That's whom he's talking about. And everyone loves to say, when Yeshua's asked what his favorite commandments are, that those are the only two that stand. Well, he, he listed what, he gave him what his favorite ones were. That doesn't mean that the other ones are done away with. Where, where does, when I say my favorite food is pizza, that doesn't mean I don't, I don't like chicken wings. That doesn't mean that chicken wings are just out of my life now. No more chicken wings because, you know, that doesn't even make sense. Pizza's just my favorite because it's my favorite. Because I like it. Because it tastes good. It makes my belly feel fat. And, and I usually regret it afterwards. But that is what Yahshua was doing when he was asked his favorite commandments. He was just telling them, hey guys, these are my favorite. That doesn't mean he don't like chicken wings. You know what I mean? He still likes chicken wings. And he still thinks that they're important. That's why when he heals people, he says, go and follow the laws of Moses and go to the temple and do what you're supposed to do. Because he wants to make sure that the people continue to follow Torah. And if he was teaching Torah just so that he could die and do away with it, then he's the worst teacher we've ever had. To teach something you know is about to go away, that just doesn't even make sense. You don't know how God works at all if you think that that's what happened. But the Yeshua wasn't just giving two commandments in that in that verse. Yeshua was just telling us what his favorite were. And by the way, his favorites are ones that help sum up the greater scheme of what Torah is, which is if you're loving God, then all you're going to do all the rest of the stuff that comes after this. If you follow the Shema, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, which is the start of the commandments in, in the book of Devarim, in the book of Deuteronomy, the start of it is the verse that Yahshua quoted, by loving the Lord your God and knowing that he's one and he's the one and only and that he's the most high, you're going to do everything else that comes after this because you love him. Just like I love my wife. So even though I don't like doing certain things, I do it. And yes, dear. And I go do it because I love her and I want her to be happy. So I do the things that make her happy. I don't, I don't give my wife a gifts that on her birthday that make me happy i give her gifts that make her happy it's the same with the way we go to god you can't say i'm going to go to god with what makes me happy and i prefer sunday you have to give god what he thinks is important to him his worship to him and according to polycarp what was important is that we walk in his commandments because if we love the lord then we're going to do the rest of these things and that is what polycarp is referencing here in chapter 2 verse 2 Go ahead, like I said, pull it up for yourself if you don't believe me. All right, another one I wanted to point out here, Polycarp, chapter 4, verse 1. It says, let us, first of all, teach ourselves to walk in the commandments of the Lord. Wow. Here, Polycarp says, first of all, first. So when we tell people, <laughs> when they get saved, right, quote-unquote saved, 
uh, when they get saved, what do we tell them the first day? Oh, read the book of John, and then and then read the Gospels, and then you can read Paul's writings. And after you've read those, and you've understood those for a couple years, then maybe you can go to the Old Testament. When, like I discussed earlier, the whole basis of our religion is Torah. And it is the old, right? It is that law that our Most High gave to people and said, do this. They didn't and got cast out because of it. And now that law is for everyone. And if you do it, you get accepted. If you don't, you get cast out. Where you stumble, we have a Most High uh, has given us a high priest, right? Again, teaching for another day to talk about what, what it means to be a high priest. I have one coming up, uh, hopefully here in the next couple weeks, uh, that's going to be about Hebrews and how it actually uh, references high priest, uh, means Torah forever, and not what we think it is, which means it was done away with. But anyway, like I said, I, I digress. But anyway, Polycarp here is saying that if you tell someone to read the book of John first, and read the New Testament first, and then go to the Old... In Polycarp's mind, that's bad. That's false teaching. Because what does he say? He says, let us first teach ourselves to walk in the commandments. So the first thing you should do is read the Torah. And then read it again and again and again. And then the prophets and then the gospels. And then after you study that and got that right, when you read Paul's writings and Peter's writings and John's writings in the book of Revelations, you know the reference to the original Hebrew meaning. Because everything in those books references the Hebrew thought from the earlier time. Everything. I don't care if you think dispensationalism is a thing or you have a replacement theology. It doesn't matter because we understand as believers that our religion came out of a Hebrew culture first. We should all understand that. Whether you think it's done away, whether you think it's replaced, whether you think it's a different person's time, it doesn't matter because the origin of your of your religion was Hebrew commandments, Torah. That's the origin. That's what started it all. So just as Polycarp says here in 4 and 1, chapter 4, verse 1, he says, first, teach ourselves to walk in the commandments. That's the same thing I'm telling you. The first thing you should get to understand as you begin to understand your Bible is you should begin to understand the Hebrew thought process behind your religion. You should study the Torah and read it over and over and over and figure it out and get it in your soul. And then when you start to read things like touch not the unclean, you go, oh, I, I know what that is. That's a Torah reference, right? When we hear Polycarp say, do not have false witnesses, you go, wait a minute, I read that somewhere. And you flip to Deuteronomy, you flip to Leviticus, and you look and you go, oh, whoa, it's right there, false witnesses. And it's going to help you have a grander understanding because you started with the commandments first. And Polycarp says, let us first of all teach ourselves to walk in the commandments of the Lord. That's step one. And again, I don't care what you think you under or not under. I don't care what you think is done away with. The person who learned from the person who learned from the Messiah, John, whom Yahshua loved. He's, he's the disciple that Jesus loved, right? That's what we call him. He taught this guy that the first thing you should do is start with the commandments. That's what John said. So I don't know what you think uh, the Council of Nicaea told you, the Council of Trent told you. I don't know what you think... Uh, Irenaeus told you, 
in in his early churches or 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 Pope Pius the Ninth or whatever whatever those guys' names were, whatever they say, you can you are either taking their word or you're taking word from John, which is one group of people says you don't have to keep the commandments. John says you do. Taught Polycarp that you do got to walk in the commandments. So who are you gonna believe? You're gonna believe people that came 300, 400 years later under a different government, under a different religion, or are you gonna trust the people that came out of Hebrewism and from the horse's mouth told this guy, hey, here's what's important, he wrote it down. And then he made sure in his writings that he relayed that same thought process back to the people, which is that the first thing you do is you start off with the commandments. And once you start to get that down as your root and start to understand Hebrewisms, if you don't understand the Moedim, which is the, the holy days, like I was saying, Passover, then you don't understand the Messiah's first coming and the Messiah's second coming, because that's they speak of that. But we read about these things in Revelations, and we read about these things in Thessalonians, talking about rapture and stuff, and because we don't have a true understanding of the Moedim, we don't really know what it's talking about. So we draw all these false conclusions, and then we jump back to the Torah after we've been reading the so-called New Testament for a bunch of times, and we read that, and it looks like, like when's the last time you opened up the book of Numbers? When's the last time you opened up Leviticus? We think that those things, those things just don't apply. It's not for me, but because you skip over them, you're missing the Hebrew thought behind your religion, and you're drawing false conclusions. You have to start, first and foremost, with the commandments, as Polycarp was instructed by John, and he instructed others to do so as well. Now, let's go to another point. Like I said, I can't read the whole thing. I just got these uh, uh, three points, and then I'll move on to some other stuff. And here's, here's the last point of Polycarp's writings that I'll address from, from his letter that survived. And it's in chapter 5, verse 1. Knowing then that God is not mocked, we ought to walk worthily of his commandments and glory worthy of his commandments that means be righteous right that means walk in a way to not mock god through our actions but in a way to make us righteous in keeping the commandments yet again just reinforcing the idea that polycarp was a commandment keeper he was a torah keeper uh, and i know that he was because i'm going to move on to my next point <laughs> which is the martyrdom of polycarp it's another book you can read. Uh, I think it's worth a read. It's it's not too long. There's a whole book of martyrs. And uh, at least the one I was reading was a book of martyrs. And in there was the martyrdom of Polycarp. And they talk about it. They talk about what happened to Polycarp. And he was killed on the Great Sabbath. Which, for those of you who don't understand the historical reference, the Great Sabbath is, refer is the Passover. So the Moedim are... Uh, you know, the high holy days, and they come, a lot of them come with, you know, a Sabbath at the first day and the last day, which is a day of rest and a day of focusing on the Lord. But the Sabbath early on after the Messiah's death, or, or sorry, not the Sabbath, the Passover early on after the Messiah's death was called the Great Sabbath because it was the Sabbath that represented our Messiah's coming, his death, and his resurrection, which was the Passover into the first fruits. So to them, in the minds of the early believers, Passover was huge. Like, oh my gosh, this is a super big deal. We just watched our Messiah literally, when it says the, the, the Torah became flesh, meaning the word became flesh, right? So the word 
which was a bunch of writings on how to keep the Passover, was literally flesh, as in literally lived out by our Messiah. So when he lived out step by step, he was the word made flesh, as in the words you've read about Passover are now being lived out in a fleshly person on your behalf, right? So in their mind, watching the Messiah die on this day, and then it, it it clicks, right? Like, oh my gosh, the lamb and his legs couldn't be broken, just like our lamb can't have broken bones. And it's all a thing. So today, in their mind, Passover, boom, big deal. So it was called the Great Sabbath. So the reference here in Polycarp was killed on the Great Sabbath. He was killed on the Great Sabbath because he was something, and this, I'm going to give you a Latin term, even though I just told you don't ever trust no Latin terms. But I'm only giving it to you because this is how the early people described people like Polycarp. This is what they called him. They called him quadradecimanism. Quadradecimanism? Quadradecimanism. Whatever. That word. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, that word is just a word for uh, a Christian who celebrates Passover. That's, that's what they called him. And it's the quadradecimanism. It's be, it's because it was on the 14th of uh, Nisan that that the Passover takes place. So that that quadradem is is trying to capture that number. Uh, and it's just people that practice that number. And the reason they give it that Latin term uh, is because they were trying to take Hebrewisms out of the Bible. They were trying to take Hebrewisms out of it because. Go ahead and read the early church fathers. Uh, go ahead, the so-called early church fathers, right? The early church fathers of the Roman church, maybe, uh, but not of the Hebrew faith. But those early churches, they did not like anything. They wanted to be their own thing. They didn't like anything Jewish. Why do you think the Inquisition happened? 500 years of killing people that kept the Sabbath because they wanted to remove Hebrewisms because they didn't want, they, they didn't like people looking at them and saying, well, aren't you guys Jews? I'm like, no, we're Romans. Ah, and they got all mad. So they, they changed names, right? Like Peter's name is Kepha. Why would you not call the guy what his name is? Yeshua's name, right? Jesus. Why would you not just call the guy what his name is? Why did, why did you transliterate a name? I get it that you wanted to translate other words so people could understand, but why would you change a name? Because it sounded too Hebrew. They needed it to sound more Greek and more Roman. So same thing here. Instead of just calling Christians to celebrate the Passover Hebrews, because that's what if you celebrate Passover, it's a Hebrew thing, right? It's a part of our faith. They gave it this Latin term. And that is what Polycarp is referred to. He's, he's referred to as a quadradecimanism, what, uh, whatever that is. Q-U-A-R-T-O-D-E-C-I-M-A-N-S-I-S-M. I think I threw a random S in there. Either way, that word is what they called Polycarp, because Polycarp was a person who kept the Sabbath, and that's why it was such a big deal in his martyrdom, that he was actually killed on the same day as the Messiah. He, he was killed on the great Sabbath. He was martyred, probably because they knew where the heck the guy was going to be, because he was supposed to go somewhere and do a certain thing on a certain day. So if we want to get him, I know where he's going to be on Passover, because he has a requirement. The Torah has requirements that he's going to follow. It's the same reason why Yeshua is living in Galilee and all of a sudden there's a bunch of there's just random stories that are happening in Jerusalem. If you look at the distance, it's a long way without a car. 
Why is Yeshua popping up there? And if he's getting persecuted for going there, just don't teach there. Just teach everywhere else but Jerusalem. But yet we continually find Yeshua in Jerusalem. It's because he was going there to keep the high holy days. He was going there to keep the Torah. He was required to be there. And it didn't matter that persecution came. He had to still overcome that persecution and go there anyway. And Polycarp, same deal. Same deal here. He's going to keep the great Passover because it was that important to him. And that, and he died for it. it killed, he died trying to keep the Passover because they went and got him. They went and got that guy. All right? And we, we find that he was a keeper of the Passover. So he clearly not just kept the commandments, but he kept the, the holidays that we were told are done away with. And if a guy... Where, 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 hold on. Where, where do you think Polycarp learned about the Passover? Where do you think this guy with this, this Greek name learned about a Hebrew holiday? Just, just go ahead and think about it for a sec. Probably from John, who discipled him. Right? Polycarp learned from John how to keep Passover, and he continued to keep it for the rest of his life until the literal day of his death. So this whole thing about early church not keeping the commandments and stuff, guys, it just doesn't add up in history. You have got to study it for yourself. I am convinced that there are certain denominations that don't read their Bible, that you can't. You can't to believe certain things. You, you, you are reading writings about your Bible that give you a thought, and then when you look at the Bible, you just instantly assume that this Western thought on this commentary that you read is right, and you just equate that to the verse. Instead of reading the verse first and understanding what it means and then going to the commentary. Because if you did it that way, you'd be like, oh man, what's that guy talking about? I don't care if he's an early church father or not. That doesn't match up at all. That's what I usually do. I don't read commentaries. I'll open up a commentary and I'll pull out every verse that that person quotes. If I don't see a verse, I just move on. I don't want to even read the commentary. If you're not quoting a verse, then I'm out. I'm out. You, you're not for me. But if you are quoting verses, I'll pull out the verses, I study them, I read them, I read before the verse, after the verse, and I get an understanding of what those verses are talking about, and then I'll go to the commentary. And it makes it very easy to determine very quickly if a guy's full of it or not, right? And I think that there's certain denominations, to me, I, I don't know what you're looking at. Now, I was lost in Western church thought, right? Just like a lot of people that, that listen, and a lot of people that I talk to, so I understand certain things and certain misconceptions because you're in you're a different culture so you look at you're looking at a, at, a, at a united states i was raised in the united states my culture is a certain way so i it's hard for me to read a document and not put my culture on that right but it, you have to you have to put the hebrew culture on it and that's what polycarp is trying to do by keeping the passover he's trying to keep that hebrewism alive because he believed it was important and we miss that because we have these these western thoughts and and if you read it for yourself just read the book and then pull out history and read polycarp's writings and read the writings of all those people and read all those early books and study history and get to know your religion and what was going down when yeshua passed and all the people that are left how did they pick up the pieces and then make your determination from there for yourself but if you're just told Hey, they didn't, they didn't keep the commandments. The law wasn't important. Then you believe it. But I just read right here, Polycarp not only said keep the commandments, but when you read of his martyrdom, he died trying to keep the Passover. So clearly, 
at least some of the early believers were keeping the Passover and were keeping the feast and following the Torah. At least some of them were. At least John's disciples were. And you think Polycarp is the only one he discipled? Probably not. <laughs> Polycarp is probably just the dopest one of the bunch. <laughs> He's probably just a cool dude. And that's why God allowed his writings to survive. And uh, here's, 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 a, um, here's the thing. So Polycarp thinks it's important. And like I said earlier, some, some of the what we understand about Polycarp is other people's writings about him or writing about what they read about him. Because back in the day, when they were trying to pick up these pieces, they would write letters and stuff back and forth, like debating stuff, discussing stuff. And I think that that's fine. I, I think that if you have a YouTube video that's controversial, leave comments open. Let people put the dumbest comments they want down there and let people communicate. Leave communication open. Let's talk this out. Let's work this out. I, too, was once lost. I, I too, have confusion on certain verses and certain times. I'm not perfect in understanding. So I would I often sit and discuss with Western churches and, and friends of mine in the Western church, and I talk about the different things that they believe, and we discuss it. And it was no different for them back in the day. They just couldn't do it on Facebook. <laughs> you know, they had to do it uh, through mail that took, took some time. And so they're writing letters back and forth, and uh, Eusebius, uh, E-U-S-E-B-I-U-S, Eusebius, I think that's how you say it, uh, he caught wind of some letters between uh, Polycarp and Victor, who was another early, early church person, right? He caught letters of them, and he writes in, in the Historia Ecclesiastica, again, another history book, the Catholics claim that stuff for themselves, guys. Us, you Protestants out there, don't let them take that, that early church stuff and make it theirs. They love to give those guys sainthood and claim those guys for themselves. But those were those were just men, not divine in any way. And they were just trying to figure it out like we were trying to figure it out. Some of them got some stuff really wrong and some of them got some stuff really right. But Eusebius, or however you say that dude's name, he, he wrote about what he picked up. Uh, between these guys. And he also wrote what Irenaeus and Victor uh, talked about. And in the Historia, uh, Historia Ecclesiastica, he wrote this, Eusebius wrote, Neither could Antiochus persuade Polycarp not to observe what he had always observed with John the disciple, that's uh, of our Lord, that's the Passover guys. Neither could Antiochus persuade Polycarp not to observe not to observe the Sabbath is what he's talking about, of uh, the great Sabbath, rather, the Passover. Here's the reference. So neither could Antiochus, so Antiochus and Polycarp writing letters back and forth, and this dude right here, uh, E, E here is writing about what he picked up from reading their writings and studying these guys, okay? And he said that they couldn't persuade each other what he had always observed with John, the disciple of our Lord. So what he's saying is the reason Antiochus couldn't change Polycarp's mind, because Antiochus was trying to tell Polycarp, we don't have to do that no more. We don't have to keep Passover no more. And uh, Eusebius, he says the reason he couldn't persuade Polycarp, Antiochus couldn't persuade Polycarp, was because he observed it with John, the disciple of our Lord. Polycarp observed the day with John, the disciple. So like, you're not going to change this dude's mind because John lived with Yahshua 
John kept the Passover. Polycarp learned it with him so he could never persuade him to, to, to leave and not keep those Moedim anymore because he kept it with John, who was a, a person of the Messiah. Seems like the disciples, after Yeshua's death, still kept the Torah. And their disciples and the people that they taught still kept it. And people were trying to teach these disciples that they did not have to follow it, but that the disciples of John, the disciples of Yeshua, they could not be persuaded because they knew what was important. So they didn't change their minds. Okay, let me keep reading. And it says, And the other apostles with whom he had associated. So Polycarp met other, other apostles that also kept the Passover. Wow. So not just John now, but other and others whom he had associated with. So Polycarp associated with others that also kept Passover. So it's a lie to say that the early church didn't do that. Because right there, John did it. So did apostles and Polycarp. Now, apostle just wasn't a term they just gave to anybody now. Okay? So this is some heavy hitter dudes that kept the Passover. And that's where Polycarp learned it from. And uh, Asebius is telling us that, Aaron, that uh, Antiochus couldn't persuade uh, Polycarp, right? Because he practiced the Passover with John and other apostles. And it said, neither could Polycarp persuade Antiochus to observe it, as he said that he ought to follow the customs of the presbyters that had preceded him. So here we have Polycarp is being told and Antio by Antiochus, and they're going back and forth about whether it is important to continue to keep the Passover. Polycarp could not be persuaded because he practiced the Passover with John and other apostles. Antiochus could not be persuaded because, and I'll read it again, as he said that he ought to follow the custom, customs of the presbyters that had preceded him. So Polycarp's keeping can't be persuaded because he's keeping things that apostles kept. Antiochus is not converting and deciding to keep the Passover because he wants to do what the presbyters are doing. <laughs> that, wow. <laughs> so Polycarp is keeping the commandments because apostles and John, and, and John, the, the, the disciple of, of Yahshua, Polycarp is, is continuing to keep the Moedim, the high holy days and the holidays that our, our Most High put forth because that's what the leaders did. That's what the people that came out of the teachings of Yeshua did. Antiochus is not being persuaded because of people. Just regular people. He wants to do what preceded him by other presbyters before him. So he just wants to follow the people. That's what the presbyters are. They're, they're just the people, right? In Deuteronomy 18 and 9, it says, When you enter the land of the... When you enter the land Yahuwah, your Elohim, is giving you, do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. So the Bible tells us that you should not learn the ways of the new nation. Antiochus didn't change his teachings because of the ways of his nation, which is in direct violation of Deuteronomy 18 and 9. So who do you think is right? Who do you think is right? Antiochus, he, he was the, a bishop of Rome. 
They like to call him the first pope. He was not the pope because they didn't call him a pope back then. Uh, the pope, the t title pope or, or the, the father, pater, uh, which is just a term for a pagan priest, didn't come about till way later, till they started mixing and mingling things. And if we call these guys the, you know, popes and and fathers and all these things, it'll match the, the pagan religions that they're coming out of, and it'll be more comfortable for them. So when that blending happened, that's when they started calling people pope. So Antiochus was not the pope. He was just the bishop of the city of Rome. And uh, we find that he is not converting to the Passover, to keeping these holy days, because the people don't do it. So because, because Rome does it this way, I'm going to keep doing it this way, just like Rome has done before me. That's, that's what that just said. Go ahead, read it, read it for yourself. Go ahead and read the Historia Ecclesiastica and, and look at Irenaeus to Victor, his letter, and Eusebius quoting from that. He's studying what those guys wrote. And they wrote that Antiochus wanted to continue to follow the people and Polycarp wanted to continue to follow the apostles. I think that that's just so obvious. Whom is right and who is not? But you're going to have to make up that decision for, your, for yourself. Here's another writing in that same uh, Historia Ecclesiastica that I'll bring out. It says, We observe the exact day, neither adding nor taking away, for in Asia also great lights have fallen asleep, which shall rise again on the day of the Lord's coming. Whoa, okay, okay. So in the Historia Ecclesiastica, he's talking about great lights falling asleep that shall rise again. That's, that's, that's again saying the same thing that I was saying earlier about the rapture. That's not a thing, guys. It's, it's resurrection to the kingdom of our Father. That's what it is. And he says the same thing. He's saying many are falling asleep here, but don't worry, because they'll they'll rise again on the day of the Lord. That's that's what that's what he says. It says all these observe the fourteenth day of Passover according to the gospel. That's he's talking about the people in Asia, which is not Asia like we see it. Uh, it's Asia as in like Turkey and stuff, uh, the, not the food, the country. All right. Anyway, so it says. All these observe the 14th day of the Passover according to the gospel, deviating in no respect, but following the rule of faith. And I also, so he's saying I, I do it, Polycarp, the least of you all, do according to the traditions of my relatives, some of whom I have closely followed. For seven of my relatives were bishops, and I am the eighth. And my relatives always observed the day when the people put away the leaven. Wow. <laughs> so this dude is quoting Polycarp. And Eusebius is, this. so this is Eusebius in the Historia Ecclesiastica quoting what he learned about a conversation between Polycarp to Victor. And what he says is I, there were seven bishops before me in my family. I'm the eighth. I'm the eighth of them. We don't, we keep the day that they put away the leaven. That's Passover. We keep the Passover. And he says, and Polycarp also, he kept it too. 
So there we see here again that the early church continued to keep the Moadim and Polycarp continued to keep it so much so that it got him killed. It got him martyred. And 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 again, the Catholics, they love to take those early church guys and go, ooh, Polycarp, that's one of our martyrs. No, it's not. No, it's not. He didn't die going to Sunday worship at Mass. Okay, he didn't die going to Christmas. He didn't die going to uh, an Astaroth. Uh, wait, I'm sorry, Easter. I get the two confused. They're so closely alike. Uh... He didn't die doing those things. What did Polycarp do? What did he die? What day was he killed? Passover. Passover. And we're seeing here that for seven of my relatives were bishop. I am the eighth. And my relatives always observe the day when the people put away the leaven. That's a lot of bishops that are continuing to keep the Passover when we were told it didn't happen, when we were told it was done away with. And that's not like, people love to quote like, oh yeah, of course Jesus went to Passover because he had to, but once he died, it was done. Well, not in John's mind, not in the apostles' mind, right? Not in Polycarp's mind, not in these seven of relatives of bishops, to which one is the eighth, eight different bishops, that means leaders of major churches. These aren't just... Uh, a, a group of two dudes, right? If you're a bishop, you got a, you got a little bit of clout, right? You got a congregation underneath you, probably more than one, probably more than one congregation. You probably that's like you see Paul doing that kind of stuff. He's like writing letters to a bunch of different places. He's like trying to keep everybody straight, right? We have at least eight bishops and Polycarp and apostles and John the disciple that all kept the Passover after Yeshua's death. So it was clearly important to the early church, and we cannot bite off on this lie that it was done away with, because it wasn't. And it's a, it's a lie to say that, just read the book of Acts, and you'll see that they were worshiping on Sunday. Just read uh, Thessalonians 4, and you'll see the rapture. Not true. Not true. What we see from early church writings is it was about resurrection from the dead and keeping the Sabbath and making it holy, because that's a requirement, guys. Yahuwah is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So why would the Sabbath stop being important? I'll wait. I'll wait. Go ahead. Tell me. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. Never changing. That means if he said that day's important, it'll never change. It will always be important. You can say that, oh, because it's too hard to keep and come up with all the excuses you want. None of them are true. But that still doesn't make the fact that he doesn't change. And if he doesn't change, then Sabbath worship is always Sabbath worship. That's it. Passover is always Passover. And Passover is obviously important. Not just to our Most High, but to all the people who followed him in the early centuries after our Savior's death. They continued to do it. A bunch of them did. And we should too. We should not believe the lies that were told to us, guys. You have to study this for yourself. Go ahead. Go to Histor Historia Ecclesiastica. Go and read The Martyrdom of Polycarp. Go and read Polycarp to the Philippians. And thank you for the Catholics, because they preserved all those writings. They preserved them all. I found all of those writings for free on a Catholic website. Uh, Protestants, we just think you can't read anything but the Bible. Uh, the, the Catholics loved to try to convince you that they were the original, and after Yeshua died, that's exactly how it's always been done. Uh, and it's not true. Just They preserved it 
to help make their case, but if you read it for yourself, you'll see that it makes a case for the Sabbath, it makes a case for the Moedim, and it makes a case for, uh, hold on, let me use Polycarp's words, that uh, let us first of all teach ourselves to walk in the commandments. That's what it says. He's not a martyr of the Catholic Church, he's a martyr of the Hebrew people. That was a Hebrew man. Now I know he was Greek and all this other kind of stuff, but he was a Sabbath keeper, he was a Passover observer, and he believed in walking in the commandments. That was a man grafted into the Hebrew vine, a wild olive branch grafted in, and he knew what his roots were. And he continued to remain in his roots because that's what John taught him, and that's what Yeshua taught John. Well, that's it, guys. That's all I got for this episode. Uh, that's the Polycarp, and that is his writings. There's so much more you can learn about it. Like I said, don't listen to a single word I said, but I encourage you, get out there, learn about this, study it for yourself to show yourself approved. Don't take my word for it. Just read your Bibles for yourself. I love you guys. Thank you for stopping by. This is the Art of Being the Podcast. Please hit us up. Uh, if you're li listening to this, you know we're on soundcloud.com backslash the art of being. Hit us up on Patreon slash the art of being if you want to make a donation and look us up on Facebook at the art being and see what we have to say. And uh, please email us or message us or whatever. Reach out to us in any way, shape, or form if you want to talk. We would love to discuss with Christians. We would love uh, to talk to Hebrews and other believers. We would love to sell um, advertisement so that we could use that kind of clout to build ourselves up and continue to spread the gospel. We love you, and we thank you so much for your time. Bye. I guess I'll see you at the resurrection. Peace.